0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got an extremely, extremely busy show coming up. So no time at all to screw around. Welcome everybody to Fantasy NBA Today. It's your Monday edition. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. This is a sports ethos presentation SportsEthos.com, the website. Go check out the baseball draft guide available now at SportsEthos.com. Chock full of delightful goodies. And if you get the Fantasy Pass, you actually can hang out. Uh, it contains the NBA stuff as well. So you get both simultaneously. That's just $5.99 for a month of Fantasy Pass access. And it's, there's no monthly lock right now. It's a special for baseball. You don't have to have it for like three months. Get it. Enjoy it. If you want to cancel it, you can let it ride. Also, that's fine. Access to the premium Discord, all that good stuff. Sportsethos.com. Check out the baseball draft guide right now. Thanks uh, t- for tuning in, everybody. Welcome to a new week uh, of fantasy NBA Today, fantasy basketball. It's almost playoff time, and a handful of you guys have playoffs starting on the head to head side. Next week, here on Fantasy NBA Today, we'll start deep diving playoff stuff. In fact, we'll probably even start on Friday show. Doing a little bit of the kind of weekend look ahead and and long streaming look ahead. But for now, we got to recap 30 teams over the weekend, preview the Monday card. I also want to do a little bit of a deep dive on Jared Vanderbilt after his big ball game yesterday. So we'll kind of semi pause our recap when we get to the Lakers game, which I think is what? It's like the third game as we pivot backwards through the weekend. It's reverse chronological lightning round. Let's get this thing underway. Oh, by the way, at Dan Bespurs on Twitter, if you guys uh, want to hang with me over on social media, sure you do. Of course you do. Phoenix, Milwaukee. This is a pretty good one. Defense was uh, intense in this ball game. I was really surprised. Teams came out and scored like sixty combined points in the first quarter, but it wasn't for lack of defensive effort. And then the defense kind of caught up with the offense as the game progressed. Josh Okoge, another solid fill-in game. He's probably the starting small forward even after Kevin Durant shows up. I would assume Torrey Craig is the guy who goes to the bench, but I guess we don't know for sure. Is there then enough for Okogie after KD shows up? I don't have the answer to that. But the beauty is we don't have to have the answer to that right now because you can just hold... First of all, KD's not going to play 30 minutes right out of the shoot. He's probably going to be around 20, 18 to 20, or something like that. He might be into the mid 20s by early next week. So we probably have a little bit of a it's not long, but short shelf shelf life here on Okogie. Just hang on until you don't until you don't need to anymore. Simple. Don't overcomplicate it. On the Milwaukee side, I thought we'd get more out of Bobby Portis in this ballgame. No Giannis. Uh, but they kind of split the minutes among a bunch of different players other than Drew Holiday and uh, downtown Brooke Lopez, who went for 22, 13, and four blocks. God, I love this season for Brooke Lopez. Number 30. How is this How is this even possible? It doesn't matter. It is, and we love it. Uh, but no real news on the Milwaukee side. Jay Crowder played 25-ish minutes, but he's no more than a deep league guy. Chris Middleton's still stuck around 26. They'll slowly inch him up the board. He's always part of the units that are winning their time on the floor. Someone asked me if they should drop Chris Middleton. No, you shouldn't drop Chris Middleton. We're quite close at this point to him having big-time value and has actually been able to generally post okay value even in his lower minutes. Myers Leonard got into a ball game here. There's no fantasy stuff there. It's just sort of a shock. Uh, But hang on, Bobby Portis is a play, at least while Giannis is out. It's possible he won't be after Giannis comes back now that they have all these other backup power forward options, but he's generally the backup center too. So, you know, unless Myers Leonard plays nightly, even when this team is healthy, which I don't think is going to happen, I just, I can't envision a scenario where Portis completely disappears. And He usually does so much in his limited run that he can kind of overwhelm you with usage anyway. Atlanta beat Brooklyn in a tight ball game. Hawks, I don't know you call it, the coaching change bounce. They just signed Quinn Snyder to a five-year deal. He hasn't coached yet. We'll see how all of that shakes out. But uh, we had the Bogdan Bogdanovich heater game. It happens about once every four or five contests. I wouldn't read too much into it. He was a plus 28, so he got a bunch of extra run, not surprisingly, in this one. Uh, Okungwu was a plus 16. Sadiq Bey was a plus 13. The bench unit was better for the Hawks because Brooklyn kind of has no bench other than Cam Thomas right now. Uh, so don't read too much into that. I would expect better games from Collins, Capella in their next one. And, uh, yeah, I, I also, I know Sadiq Bey played 32 minutes, but I think he's probably a drop. Even with the big minutes here, he didn't have enough usage to to make an impact. So, you know, that's the, the hope with him was, oh, well, maybe he can find his way to some minutes, and then that would translate. But he needs a lot of minutes, and not only that, he needs a lot of shots. DeAndre Hunter, he's in more of a schedule play. And frankly, you could call Sadiq Bey kind of a schedule play also. Okongwu is a start regardless. Not a schedule play. He's a play everywhere. On the Brooklyn side, this is why I kept saying hang on to Cam Thomas because ultimately, they're going to need his offense in some ballgames. This wasn't really a game where they needed more offense. But he's playing his way back into a larger role here. It just it didn't seem feasible that the Nets could exclusively play all of these wings. Not really any one of them that is a hugely accomplished creator on offense. Now they got plenty of offense here against a Hawks team that defensively isn't very good. But they're going to play teams that are a little bit better on defense, and I think they're going to continue to need Cam Thomas, who, yes, profiles much more as a head-to-head style play or a points league style play than Roto, but a lot of you guys listening are in head-to-head or points formats where, you know, if it's head-to-head, maybe you're punting rebounds or assists or something like that where he doesn't do a whole lot besides just score, but that can be quite useful throughout the year, a guy getting you whatever, however many points, and if he can tumble into some other stuff, great. So I'm still holding on there. Dorian Finney-Smith had a better ball game. I don't think that he has the usage on a night-to-night to warrant a fantasy roster spot, but he probably does profile as a schedule-type play, which I'm going to be bringing up more often on the show now, uh, given that if, we're, if you guys are all doing the long streaming thing with me, then that means you're going to have even more slots on your roster to schedule stream with. Let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt for a minute. Lakers beat the Mavs 111-108. Lakers erased a 27-point deficit in this ballgame. Mavs made something like eight of their first 13 three-pointers and just were blowing the Lakers out of the water. And then all of a sudden, the threes stopped dropping. The Lakers started getting to the free-throw line, started beating the Mavs up on the glass, started getting near the rim and slowing the game a little bit on the MAV side, at least, where you know Dallas had to take the ball out from made buckets. They couldn't just hit a transition three. And boy, did this game flip on its head. And the big reason why was Vanderbilt. Or frankly, the Lakers starting five, really. Um, outside of, interestingly, LeBron, who, uh, you know, he he tends to blend more with the reserve units. LeBron plays the first five in some odd minutes, then he comes on to kind of start the second quarter with the reserves and kind of try to keep the game from getting out of hand in that in that spot Uh, but obviously you're not going to doubt LeBron Anthony Davis was fantastic I don't want to take anything away from AD uh, but this game was Vanderbilt the Lakers don't win this game if Jared Vanderbilt is not on the roster no question but how did we get to this point because Jared 15 points 17 rebounds four steals Six out of eight shooting. He even made a three-pointer a three in this one. But, and 27 minutes. And perhaps that is the most important part of all of this. 27 minutes. And then you might also look at this and say, okay, well, since Vanderbilt joined the Lakers, he played 17 against the Warriors, 22 against the Blazers, 28 against the Pellies, 18 against the Warriors again, and then 27 against the Mavericks. And I talked about it a tiny bit on social media, but it's hard to put all of those thoughts just into a Twitter thread, even if you can string a few tweets together. The main, the main thing you need to look at here with the Lakers is, is there a trend on when Vanderbilt sees his minutes bounce up? It's worth pointing out, by the way, that even when his minutes have bounced upward, most of his games with the Lakers haven't really produced significant fantasy value until yesterday in Dallas. That was like the big breakout game. 17 rebounds being the the big outlier there. Because all, he always gets steals. He's a good steals guy. Uh, he had four steals in his four games with the Lakers prior to the four steals yesterday. And, you know, three in the two previous games where he cleared 20 minutes and then won in the other two ballgames combined. Those were against the Warriors. What do these games all have in common? Specifically, the Pelicans game and the Mavericks game. Because the Portland game, I could argue, was... Wasn't LeBron out for that one? I think LeBron sat that ballgame out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was that one right before two games for the all-star break. Yeah, Bron sat that ball game. So, his minutes were up a little bit because LeBron wasn't there. Easy easy peasy. So, Portland and Golden State, what do they have in common? In this instance, what those two teams have in common in those games because Jeremy Grant was also out for the Blazers on on the other side was that neither of those teams had a front court player that gave the Lakers any kind of any kind of concern. And then I should also clarify to say front court, meaning just like a bigger dude that scores. It doesn't necessarily have to be a guy playing small forward or power forward. It just needs to be a guy a Lakers guard can't handle that also is a key scoring component on the opposite team. For the Pels, this is a really easy one. Jared Vanderbilt got 28 minutes in that game, and they almost matched him up minute for minute with Brandon Ingram. I think every minute that Vanderbilt was on the floor in that Pelicans win, Ingram was also on the floor until perhaps kind of late when the team sort of, you know, I think the Pels waved the white flag maybe a minute or two before the Lakers did. I can't remember the exact ending of that one. But the Lakers were very clearly trying to match Vanderbilt with Ingram. Almost minute to minute. Yesterday, the Lakers kind of did that, or certainly learned to do so by mid-ball game, with Luka Doncic. Vanderbilt became the primary defender on Luka, and then when Luka was running big, big, I don't say big, I call him, Luka's a big dude. Okay, sometimes we forget this. Luka Doncic is not only, I mean, forget the fact that maybe he's a little bit over what his playing weight should be, he's six-seven. He's very much the size of a small forward in the modern NBA. And frankly, given how sturdy he is, I'm trying to be kind about this, because he's 6'7", 230 right now, he's bigger than a lot of small forwards in the NBA. So if you put a guard on Luka, he's just going to overpower them every time. you put a big on Luka, he's going to outfox them. You need a mobile wing which in this case, mobile big wing, is Jared Vanderbilt. So it doesn't have to be in a team's power forward. I I don't know who the hell the Mavs power forward is technically. It's probably Reggie Bullock, but you can hide whoever you want on Bullock. So the Lakers are putting Vanderbilt on the big, sizable, not a big man, the bigger primary scorer of their opposition. And then you look at the flip side of this, again, looking at the Blazers and the Warriors, there wasn't one that intimidated the Lakers to a point where they were like, yeah, we need Vanderbilt on this guy. Because the Warriors were, well, first of all, there's no Steph. Maybe they would have used Vanderbilt on Steph, Franklin, who's not a big guy. I don't know. Maybe they're willing to go smaller in that regard and, and say, hey, deal with this dude. Uh, but he wasn't there. And they didn't need Vanderbilt to chase Clay Thompson off screens. That would have been, been a bad use of Vanderbilt's skill set. They have other guys to do that. Austin Reeves was kind of the main guy to do that. Malik Beasley was doing more of that. You need to be a bit smaller to get around all of those screens without picking up bowels. Jordan Poole, same general story. The Blazers. It was Dame going crazy. I mean, that was, was a big Dame game. Everybody went a little crazy in that one. And the Lakers didn't have bronze, so it was... That game was going to get away from them kind of regardless. So I don't want to worry too much about the Blazers game. That one's, you can semi-dump that box score. So then what does that mean for Vanderbilt going forward? Well, number one, let me just start by saying, add him. If you're waiting and you're sitting there and you're like, Dan, please, God, get to the point of this Jared Vanderbilt discussion. The point is, add him. Start by adding Jared Vanderbilt because he's been good enough, even in these if you want to call it the, the mixed bag of basketball games, the ones where he is playing fewer minutes and the ones where he's playing more, if you roll it all together, he's been, I think, around the top 100 since he's come to the Lakers. You'd have to look at the last two weeks, basically. I think maybe even a little bit better than that. Because he's shooting like 70% since coming to LA. With good field goal percent and the fact that he's made his whatever it is, like three or four free throws that he's taken since coming to the Lakers. The fact that he's only scoring eight points doesn't really matter, because you've got nine rebounds, good percentages, almost two steals per ballgame. That's enough in 9-cat to get him there. Maybe not enough on the points league side. That's averaging 23 and change minutes per ballgame, about 23 and a half or so. Since Since he became a Laker, more or less. I think there might be one... Utah game. No, maybe wasn't he hurt at the end of his Utah tenure. doesn't matter. So add him because what we're seeing is that he is and we've known this for a long time, time when Vanderbilt has free reign and he doesn't have somebody breathing down his neck or a team isn't mixing and matching when he has a set role which with the Lakers is guard the toughest dude on the opposition and energy like crazy. He's been very good. We even saw this at the beginning of this year when he came out guns blazing with Utah and was putting up these big rebounding and steals games, and then slowly but surely we saw the Jazz start to shave his minutes to develop Walker Kessler, which is fine, because Kessler's been awesome. I get it. And they couldn't have two non-floor spacers on the floor. The Lakers have the luxury of being such an interior-dominant team that they can actually play a little bit bigger Clog the paint a tiny bit more, and they're just not that worried about it, because D'Lo, when he's healthy, Beasley will finally provide them the spacing they haven't had basically all season long. But then you want to look ahead, and you're like, "All right, well, you know, well and good, but maybe I want more than Vanderbilt playing 23 minutes per ball game. Maybe I want to get cute with it. Well, then you got to look at the Lakers' schedule and see that they've got the Grizzlies coming up. And honest to goodness, I don't know." If they might put him on John ja Morant. They might. John ja might be a little bit too fast, though. Desmond Bain doesn't make sense as a matchup for, for Vanderbilt. And then JJJ. Uh. Maybe a little too strong for Vanderbilt. Tough to say. Feels more like A D should be dealing with that, but you know, A D might be on like a Brandon Clark or a Xavier Tillman or whatever that matchup turns out to be so to me that ball game profiles is one where if if vanderbilt is not the jaw defensive assignment then he might be more in that 18 to 20 minute range you might see the lakers go to more offense and a little less defense if they realize look you know if vanderbilt if you're not gonna if you're gonna slow down john moran about the same amount as uh, malik beasley can or who or d lo if he's playing in that ball game then we'd rather space the floor. Is that the correct decision? I don't know. You know, Lakers got destroyed on the glass by Memphis the last time these two teams played. Somehow still won that ballgame, but maybe they decide they want the rebounding a little bit more. I think there's a little bit up in the air on that one. What about when the Thunder? That's the Lakers' uh, ballgame on Thursday of this week. I believe that's Thursday. What about the Thunder? If SGA's playing, is that then Vanderbilt's defensive assignment? It's hard to say until we kind of see it how the Lakers are going to do it. Now, there are going to be some teams out there like the Pelicans where we looked at it and we were like, well, obviously, this is one that is going to be a Jared Vanderbilt matchup game. And you can do that with the Lakers as you kind of look down the board a little bit. The Timberwolves, yes, obviously, he's going to be an Anthony Edwards. There's almost no question. Then you got the Warriors. Is Steph back for that ball game? Would they bother trying that? Grizzlies again. Lakers have a, a pretty tough schedule here over the next like week and a half, and then it really lightens up for them. Uh Raptors. I think you'll see him on Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes. The Knicks, you'll probably see him on Julius Randle for stretches. Pelicans, Ingram, Rockets. <laughs> they probably don't need him for that ball game, but you might see him in there if uh who the hell? Jalen Green or Jabari Smith Jr. Might seem on one of those guys. I don't think that that one matters as much. The Mavs, again, we already saw he's the Luka guy. The Magic, he'll probably be on Paolo. The Suns, he'll almost definitely draw KD. So, and then the Bulls, he'll have DeMar, probably. So, yeah, there are plenty of games where you look ahead and you're like, oh, well, these are obvious games where Vanderbilt's going to get hot, mid to high 20s in minutes because they're going to need him on these dudes. But then you come across these games where maybe not... So if you want to get cute, you want to start him in some, not in others. I'm okay with that. I think overall, though, you just pick him up and start him because when you roll it all together, I do believe that he will hit value. All right, that's our Vanderbilt sojourn here. It does mean that we need to pick up the pace on the rest of this stuff. Uh, nothing else on the Lakers side. Well, that's not entirely true. I'm sorry. I don't want. I don't mean to rush too much here. Malik Beasley is probably also an add. His minutes have been high enough. Uh, he does profile a bit more as a specialist. Gee, I wonder what category you might be targeting there. Beasley's more of a three-point specialist. I don't know that he hits top 100 in Roto even in these bigger minutes, but he does probably belong on most rosters, certainly on the head-to-head side, because uh, the Lakers love him, and he's going to play close to starters minutes seemingly every ballgame right now. I think even when D'Angelo Russell comes back, Beasley still gets close to 30 minutes per ball game. They just they love that he can space the floor, even if the shot isn't going in, it changes everything that they can do on offense. AD, Braun, those guys can get to the rim easier when Beasley's just standing there than when it was whoever, Troy Brown in the starting unit for a long time, Russ, etc. On the Mavs side, Christian Wood is just a mid-20s minutes guy now. I'll say it again. I'll say it a thousand times. I'm actually more interested in the fact that Josh Green is now a bench player, so drop Josh Green. And Justin Holiday is the starting small forward. And Tim Hardaway is back on the bench again. It does kind of feel like the Mavs are mixing and matching a little bit, trying to figure out what fits with Kyrie and Luka. And so they went to more defense in the starting five with Holiday as opposed to... Tim Hardaway Jr., make him more of the gunner coming off the bench. We'll see how it shakes out. Put Holiday on your watch list and drop Josh Green. And you can probably also drop Tim Hardaway Jr. I, I, I know he had a decent ball game here. He just kind of got hot for a quarter. I, I don't see how there's enough for him in a 24-minute bench roll going forward. Chicago, they've played defense two games in a row since signing Patrick Beverly. I don't think it's a coincidence, and I know Bev was terrible in this ballgame, but he does, for teams that need that, Bev is pretty good at doing that, which is like yelling at everybody to play defense until they do it. And he did it. We'll see how long that effect uh, lasts for the Bulls. But as I mentioned, I didn't think Pat Bev was going to get anywhere near 12 teamers, and so far he has not. On the Wizards' side, Bradley Beal was terrible. Um, so they had no shot of winning this ballgame. Kristaps Porzingis was out, which also made the task a bit taller. But anytime Porzingis is out, we know Gafford's going to go big, so keep a close watch on the Porzingis injury report, because if we can even squeeze one more game out of Gafford, it would be worth it. Starters minutes, Daniel Gafford is a top 50 play, and you don't want to leave those on the wire. DeLon Wright got the start. He's actually been better coming off the bench, because he doesn't have to... Give way to Kyle Kuzma and Bradley Beal to take all the shots in the starting unit. Monte Morris was out for this ball ballgame. Uh, DeLon's been good enough lately to be on rosters. That's the sort of long and short of it. So keep running him out there until the wheels come off. Cleveland beat Toronto in a blowout. So we can't learn almost anything from this ball game. Um Other than to say, Yaka Pertl. Yaka Pertl might be a top 50 guy the rest of the way. So just enjoy it. Let's keep going. Sacramento over Oklahoma City on the road. Thunder are not as good without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Surprise! Surprise. Uh, Lindy Waters, I think, just got himself a contract this morning. Am I remembering that news right? I mean, it doesn't change anything for fantasy purposes, but if I'm getting that right, and I think I am, congrats, Lindy. Jalen Williams, still good. Jalen Williams, who had been coming on a bit lately, played just 13 minutes and got caught up in the OKC roulette wheel of death. Uh, who the hell got his minutes? It's not really all that clear. This is why you're going SGA. Jalen Williams on a night-to-night basis, and generally Josh Giddy as well. And when Shea's been out, you can stream Isaiah Joe, because he gets in there, and he starts a-chuckin'. Isaiah Joe is not bashful. 24 points, four more three-pointers. He's a points-and-threes streamer when SGA is out, but again, this time of year... That can be useful. Thunder also have a stretch of six games and nine nights coming up if you're long-streaming, if you're into that sort of thing. Keep it in the back of your head. Warriors beat the Wolves without Steph, without Wiggins, and without Draymond. This is a bad loss for Minnesota, actually. A ball game that I'm sure when they saw everybody was out, figured they were going to be able to come in and steal it. They did not. No Rudy Gobert. That did hurt them. I know, yeah, you all. We can all make jokes. We can make Rudy Gobert jokes that he didn't really make Minnesota any better. Uh, but as long as Cat is out, they do kind of need Gobert. And I know Nas Reed had a huge ball game. I don't want to take anything away from Nas, but he was also one of the lowest plus-minus guys on the team because that starting unit just couldn't keep up with the Warriors, especially not when Anthony Edwards was having a bad ball game. So let's not read too much into this. Uh, Ant-Man was bad, and Minnesota's generally not going to win when he's bad. Uh, Nas did everything he could. I mean, it's a huge fantasy game. Five steals, two blocks, four three-pointers. This is what Nas Reed can do in starters minutes when he's not in foul trouble. Um, Is he a free agent? I think Nas Reed is a free agent at the end of this year. He could end up someplace as a deep sleeper for next season. If you have a keeper league team where you're not in contention, go throw Nas Reed at the end of your bench. They could fall into a really interesting fantasy spot next year. Slow mo, still doing fine. No beef there. Warriors side, with all those guys out, you figured Dante DiVincenzo would have a nice ball game, and he did. And it's also worth noting first of all, Draymond Green has actually been uh, pretty healthy this year. I thought that he would miss a few more ball games. He hasn't really had the opportunity to because the Warriors have needed wins so bad, but he is expected to miss a couple of games with this meaning you can probably squeeze a little out of Kavan Looney. They tend to go more reliably to their kind of safe center when Draymond can't slide up and play the five for them. And Looney got you 12 points and 17 boards. You know, it's not a long-term thing, and that's fine. We don't need all long-term stuff in late February. If he's floating around on your wire, and he's probably not because he's had a bunch of good rebounding games lately, even if defensive stats haven't always been his cup of tea, He's uh almost definitely worth a stream. At the very least, a play for one day tomorrow, knowing Draymond's out. And maybe Warriors have a back-to-back on Thursday, Friday. If Draymond misses those, you could possibly squeeze three games and four outs out of Looney. I'm okay with it. Jonathan Kaminga, at 13-5. I'm... I don't fully understand the Kaminga hype. Uh, If you dropped him to a place where he had more responsibility, maybe. I mean, then you could say you could get some fantasy stats, but not on this club. So I don't, I'm not going to go that far. Dame had 71, absolutely the line of the night. Career high for Dame, one of eight players in NBA history, I believe, to ever clear the 70 point threshold. We've seen it twice this year. Spida had the other one. So, yeah, nobody else really got any shots up for the Blazers. Jeremy Grant took 10. Matisse Thybul, believe it or not, was the third highest field goal attempt clip on the club at 6. He fouled out, by the way, in 36 minutes. While the Blazers continue to have a bunch of guys out, you have some options here. Cam Reddish played 31 minutes. He had a good fantasy game because of three steals. I don't think we can rely on that, though. I wouldn't. Drew Eubanks did his same kind of backup center-type deal where his minutes are not guaranteed. He played 22 of them and had an okay line, but missed five free throws. Whoopsies. He and Alperin and Shengun were getting into it in this ball game. Matisse Thibault, two steals and a block. He actually hit two three-pointers here. That's kind of gravy. Um, He's a defensive streamer, and that's probably... I mean, Eubanks for some big-man stats, mini-stream, Thibault defensive stat mini stream. That's probably as far as I go outside of the usual. So on the Houston side, it only took uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green to be out, and then Jayshon Tate to be in critical foul trouble for them to finally let Tari Eason play 28 minutes again. I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed with the Rockets. I know I know that Houston, had, the fans of the team are extremely annoyed. Alpern Shengun got yanked. In this one, because the Blazers were scoring at will, the whole team is just atrocious. But from a fantasy standpoint, you're holding on to Shengoon, of course. Um, I mean, what happened is that we, what everybody knew would happen, I think everybody knew this would happen, is that Shengoon went on a really hot run and then he came back to earth and he's number 75 in nine cat right now, and that's probably where he coasts the rest of the way. Ty Ty Washington got the start at point and he didn't do enough to warrant rostership. K.J. Martin is a start, at least while everybody remains out. Jabari Smith Jr., I mean, you kind of have to start him because his fantasy game is actually really interesting if he could ever hit a damn shot, which may or may not happen this entire season, but with everybody out, like, I don't know how you leave that A steal, two blocks, eight boards, four assists, plenty of usage to put up numbers, but just missed everything. Oh well. And then if we ever knew for sure that Dari Eason was going to get 24 minutes or more reliably, he'd be such an easy fantasy play, but we don't know that reliably because he basically has uh, at least two guys in his way on a night-to-night basis. Super annoying, but that's where we're at. Clippers and Nuggets, overtime. Clippers can't get away from losing overtime games right now. Russ has actually been kind of good his first two games with uh, the Clips. Um, We all know where this is headed. He's not magically about to become an efficient basketball player. And he's not going to average five steals a ball game. I don't think you can sell high on Russ. Many of you are probably past your league's trade deadlines anyway. um, But if you're playing him right now and you're in a points league, just keep doing it, because he's starting. He didn't close this game, by the way. Clippers are not guaranteeing him the closing minutes, which I guess is something. Zubat's still out. Plumlee, I don't know, meh, backup center streamer. You're playing Paul George, playing Kawhi Leonard, and I don't know if you're going any farther than that with this team right now in standard 9-cat. But yes, obviously there are a few formats and builds where Russ makes more sense. I just don't happen to be in any of them. Nikola Jokic, my goodness. Just a ho-hum, 40, 17, and 10. That dude's crazy. By the way, uh, the top of the board has shuffled a little bit here. Jokic is number one on a per-game basis, and by totals, by the way. Joel Embiid is the number two player on a per-game basis now. He's passed Anthony Davis. He passed KD. Uh... Shea is number five, and that's kind of your top five per game. By totals, it's Jokic at one, Shea at two, Tatum's at three, and uh, Bede is at four, and then obviously Anthony Davis is way down the board after missing you know, a month and a half or two months or whatever that was. Oh, caught my eye. Michael Porter Jr. was better. KCP didn't do as much here, but he's a start. He's just been really good lately. Jamal Murray, solid. Aaron Gordon came back. He's the question mark if in the whole start the starters phenomenon just because if his field goal and free throw percent, like the field goal in particular has been crazy high for Gordon this year, and that's been floating his value. If that even comes down a little bit, he doesn't come close to having fantasy value, and I don't know. That makes me kind of nervous. As we turn the clock back to Saturday, I want to remind everybody once again to go check out SportsEthos.com and get yourself an MLB draft guide. Available now by clicking on the Premium tab and choosing Get Premium. Make sure you choose the Fantasy Pass because you get baseball and basketball in it together. And don't you want to hang out with me in our Premium Discord? SportsEthos.com. Click on Premium. Get the baseball draft guide. And follow Ethos Fantasy BB for baseball. Ethos Fantasy BB. You've been following Ethos Fantasy BK for all this time for basketball news. Ethos Fantasy BB for baseball news. Make sure to check them out over on social media. Uh, Right now, it's mostly... It'll be draft guide content as it drops. And, of course, episodes of Fantasy MLB today with my buddy Joe Orico. Um, We don't have a, a... traditional baseball blurb feed set up but that's where you can get all of our baseball news and features as they come out also uh we just dropped a Bengals podcast that's the third new show that we've launched here at sports ethos in the last two weeks i am over the damn moon at how big our podcast network is now it's like 40 something shows deep Uh, football in particular, Chicago Bears, uh, they've they've launched in the last week or so. The Bengals launched. uh, We had a Hornets show with Corbin that just came out. We got a a dude working on a magic show. This is so cool. There's more, actually, in the works that I haven't even told you about. If you want to be part of what we're doing over here, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Or you can just drop it in the YouTube chat right now. I didn't mention that to all the recorded listeners. If you want to come over, hang out with us on YouTube, that's another way to get in touch with me on a day-to-day basis. Make sure to go to youtube.com sportsethos so You can check out our latest videos there. And, of course, like and subscribe the videos as you watch them. Diving back into Saturday, Toronto played on the back-to-back. We don't need to talk about them again. Detroit, they got some bodies down. Jaden Ivey is out for personal reasons. Boyan Bogdanovich is out with an Achilles issue. Jalen Durin is out with an ankle issue. Isaiah Stewart is questionable because he's got a sore hip, which, man, I can empathize with that. That's some old man stuff going on for Isaiah Stewart, and he ain't an old man. Well, the question then becomes who does this leave behind? And I hate to say it, but it sure is crap leaves behind Marvin Bagley, who had a big ball game his last time out. And if indeed Isaiah Stewart misses this game and Bogdanovich misses this game and Duran is out, there's like nothing standing in Bagley's way right now. (laughs) It's going to be gross, people, but it'll probably be big enough to counterweight his awful percentages, and I'm okay with the go-ahead there. Alec Burks probably picks up a bunch of playing time in the backcourt. He's been doing more um, livers doesn't have great fantasy game so I don't know that I'd go down that path is it livers I think it's livers right that's one that I actually don't know legitimately I I feel bad about that I like to try to get all the pronunciations right on the nose but I'll tell you I don't know the correct one on that dude uh Alec Burks I think goes up from 17 to 20 minutes to maybe more like 24 ish that puts him in play for schedule stream probably not Roto and to answer your question before you ask it No, I'm not trying Hamadou Diallo. He might explode for 19 points on, you know, like 7 out of 11 shooting, but he's probably going to go 3 for 6 at the free throw line. He doesn't hit threes. Uh, He might get you two steals, but he doesn't pass, and he doesn't really block many shots either. So I will kindly pass. Nothing on Indiana until they make any kind of adjustments to what they're actually attempting to do, meaning they're still trying to win, until they give up on that pipe dream. I wouldn't change anything. And they're only two games out of the play-in spot, so it's just a little more than a pipe dream. It's like a it's like a thick pipe pipe dream. PVC, that's the good stuff. Steel? Sure. Why not? So, yeah, no changes there. Orlando? There hasn't been really almost anything for them in a while. We've been tracking Jonathan Isaac. Wendell Carter Jr. was awful in this ballgame, so if you're wondering uh, why Mo Wagner got 21 minutes and Bol Bol played 22, it's because... Dell, as they call him, just had an absolutely atrocious basketball game, and uh, they had no choice but to yank him. He had some foul stuff, but he was also just really bad. I don't expect that to be the case. Jalen Suggs and Cole Anthony cannibalizing each other right now. I think that means that neither of them probably maintains. I was so mean all season long to Cole Anthony, and then I was starting to get ready to offer my mea culpa. Hey, I should have given him this dude more credit. He's been able to hang out near the top 100. Well, he's not going to be able to do that in 17 minutes, so... Charlotte beat Miami. That's a bad look for the Heat, man. The Heat are in the play-in right now, and they don't look like they're getting out of it. Miami's got a sick team this year. Not sick in a cool way. Sick in, like, something's just not right. Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's been, look, fantasy-wise, he's been great. Jimmy's done everything you could expect of him. He misses his games every once in a while, as per usual, But, you know, he's number 16 per game, so he's just sort of coasting along with a decent year, like always. And Bam's been pretty good. Number 26, better than I expected, actually, with uh, two combined defensive stats and over 20 points per game. But just overall, this team hasn't been good this year. I don't know what's up. They're only three games over 500. they They've lost their last four in a row. I don't think it's about to change. Oh, they're throwing the dice now, just seeing what happens. Kevin Love got the start, had a double-double, 13 points, 13 boards, three threes in 26 minutes, and I hate to say it, but look, if he's starting, he belongs on basketball teams. It's madness, absolute positive, insano madness uh, But if he's a starter for an NBA team, then he needs to be on a basketball team. Fantasy team, I should say. Because he can pile up threes and boards really fast. And he's a big man who hits free throws. It's gross, man. I can't imagine this sticks long-term. Because I don't think he really makes them better. I know the Heat are trying to figure out more floor spacing around Jimmy and Bam. And Caleb Martin hasn't been a reliable contributor on that front. Kyle Lowry's still out. I think they actually really do want him back. As much as we might say, Ah, well, Gabe Vincent looks better than Lowry. And he kind of has lately. Uh, Lowry's a better floor spacer for the Heat, and you're seeing how bad they've been without him. Kind of how bad they've been overall, but they are better when they have a healthy Kyle Lowry. Not by a ton, but by a little. I know you guys thought I was going to start by talking about Mark Williams, maybe of this entire podcast, but I saved it until this moment so that I could go like this. Mark Williams! 18 and 20. Oh, baby, I wish you could have dunked one more basketball and gone for a double 20s. Mmm. That's juicy as hell. I love it. Enjoy the ride, everybody. Enjoy the ride. There'll be bumps along the way. He's a rookie. It happens, but enjoy the ride. Um, Gordon Hayward seems to have finally turned a corner on his year. The efficiency has come up where we thought it ought to have been from the outset. It took him three months to find his fantasy game, but it's finally coming around uh, over the last two weeks. So well wait that's not entirely fair three weeks. sorry Gordon I tried to short you a week over his last seven to 10 ball games he's inside the top 75 I he's shooting 57% over that stretch so he's over his head. so we can't expect that like perfect run to continue because he's like top 40 last couple of weeks now. he'll settle back it down. But the free throw stroke is finally coming around. The turnovers are finally coming down a little bit. The steals are not going to be good for him at any point all year. Um, so don't expect that to, to stick. But even if he goes like top 80-ish the rest of this year, that's someone that then does belong as a starter on your roster. Kelly Oubre is slowly ramping up. He had 15-8 and eight in this ballgame in 22 minutes. You know he's going to get out there and just fire shots up, which is great for fantasy. May or may not be great for Charlotte actually winning basketball games. I think he actually does help them as just a confident scorer on the floor. In a team that doesn't play any defense, the more confident scorers they have, the better. Uh, If Oubre's on the wire, he shouldn't be. uh, make sure he's on a roster. And probably within the next two games, he's playing enough minutes where he's a top 100 guy. Not yet. Not at 22 minutes a game, but maybe soon. And then uh, Gordon Hayward had some foul trouble in this game, and uh, JT Thor got the start for P.J. Washington. So there were a few extra minutes to float, and they ended up largely with Dennis Smith Jr., who you guys know I love as a possible Silly Season winner. We're not all the way at Silly Season yet. The regulars are still playing for the Hornets. When regulars start to take games off, and Dennis Smith can just slot in for each of them, then he'll be at everyday play. Right now, he's a schedule stream, and uh, that's okay because maybe you have him for a schedule play, and it turns into a schedule play with benefits. You never know. Larry Nance turned an ankle. That's his good news for Jonas Valanciunas, who now is uh, back as a fantasy startable asset. Josh Richardson has completely supplanted uh, the young fellas. Trey Murphy... Jose Alvarado, etc., cetera. Um, and Richardson is a must start play as long as he has a starting job for the Pelicans, which I assume is going to be until Zion comes back. If Zion comes back this year, no news is good news. I guess for New York, Josh Hart was fine in his bench minutes. Mitchell Robinson has settled back in quickly. Uh, Emmanuel quickly had a better ball game there, but again, he's more of a schedule play and uh, that's the Knicks. No real changes there off our last analysis. Memphis blew out Denver. This was a Nuggets just didn't come ready to play, and the Grizzlies had a chip on their shoulder kind of ball game. So hard to get a good read on this. You knew Tillman was going to get the start against Jokic. He was very good. I, I really wish that Grizzlies would give us an indicator who's going to start on a given night uh, earlier than they do, but they just don't. And we can make our best guesses on it. You know, Clark probably against the teams that don't have a giant center on the other side, but it hasn't even been 100% match on that. Oh, well. Whatever. Nothing to see here. Move along. Boston beat Philly on a buzzer beater from uh, Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown is out for the Celtics' next ballgame. That should give Derek White a little bit more life. Malcolm Brogdon will get a little bit more life. Last time, we saw Sam Hauser pick up a bunch of extra minutes. But now that everybody else is healthy, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. Uh, it was nice to see Al and uh, Time Lord both log 30 plus minutes, and admittedly, Philly's a, a bigger team, so they kind of needed everybody against Embiid. Didn't really work. Joel had a huge ball game, but whatever, they needed him out there. And both guys had decent fantasy value. So, okay, cool. Um, Jalen Brown being out does give us a little more wiggle room on the other guards. For Philly, DeAnthony Melton, effectively for me now, is on his last leg. Because at least he played 25 minutes in this one, and some games 25 minutes is enough, but not when he's jammed in there with Embiid and Harden and Tobias Harris for basically every minute he's on the floor. He's a much more successful player when he can be in a little bit more control, and he has none. He's a, he's a role-playing floor spacer defensive guy in that unit, and that's not good enough. So, DeAnthony, you got one more game. If you can show me something good, I'll buy you another week. If not, I'm probably casting you off into the ocean. Oh, the Spurs. I don't even want to talk about the Spurs. I know I have to. Well, can we talk about the Jazz first? Yeah, you guys. No one can stop me at this point. Uh, Chris Dunn, 23 really effective minutes for Utah here. And he chipped away at Taylor Horton Tucker, who floated his value in this ballgame with three blocks Otherwise, it was fine. It wasn't going it wasn't bad. But five turnovers, and he actually hit two three-pointers. Also kind of weird. But look, overall, 24 minutes for THT is not going to be enough. It won't. Long-term. Short-term, sure. He It was enough here against a Spurs team that plays no defense at all. But you give t- THT 24 minutes against an, even a mildly competent opponent, and he's not going to put up enough fantasy numbers. We needed him up around 27 to 30. Especially if he's not the only point guard playing on the roster. They brought in Chris Dunn specifically to be the new Mike Conley here, who can't really shoot. Chris Dunn doesn't have the three ball, but, you know, defensive-minded, pass-first point guard. This is what Dunn did in Portland. (laughs) Felt like I was doing a Southern thing there. This Dunn did it. Uh, He put up big assist numbers. He gets big steals numbers. And he can actually get to fantasy value pretty fast. So keep a close watch on Chris Dunn, at least while Colin Sexton is out. I don't think that this is a thing that lasts once Sexton returns. But again, this time of year, we're thinking, you know, a three to four day pocket at a time, not necessarily rest of season. And if we see a pocket where Chris Dunn can be good for three or four days, we may end up jumping on it. Okay, fine. I'll talk about the Spurs. Uh, Trey Jones is getting closer. By all accounts, he was questionable for the last ballgame bef- before being ruled out. They play again tomorrow. Crap, I don't want to make sure I got that right. <laughs> the Spurs, I think, play tomorrow. Where do you go, Spurs? Yeah, they're tomorrow. They're in Utah again. This is a road-road doubleheader with two games off in between, so San Antonio's been cooling in Salt Lake City for the better part of half a week now. Uh, I think we might see Trey Jones back for that ballgame, actually. Trey and Zach Collins, in my mind, are the only guaranteed nine-cat plays rest of season for the Spurs, and that's only if Trey stays healthy. Keldon Johnson is the next closest thing because he goes on stretches where he simply scores enough to overwhelm his bad percentages. And then you get into this real ugly chunk of players that are all really much more points league built. Low defensive stats. Like Jeremy Sohan and Malachi Branham are almost the same exact fantasy stat set. One is the guard, one is a forward. But they score, they hit a little bit of three-pointer, they rebound a little bit, they don't get much in the way of defensive stats, Both the field and free throw percentages are generally kind of low for those dudes. If they fit your weirdo head-to-head build... Go for it, but don't expect them to magically turn into 9-cat guys. And Devontae Graham, also kind of in that same more weird build points league mold, just kind of for a different reason, huge field goal percent punt. Um, He'll at least get you some threes and steals and better at free throw percent typically. Uh, So he's, I guess, a little closer, but if Trey Jones comes back, then he doesn't see the same playing time, so then he gets aced out. And then you're worried about Devin Vassell, if he comes back, he won't be playing very much for a couple weeks. Dude's been out forever. So to me, the Vassell question is, should I bother squatting on him in a games cap roto format? And I think the answer there is yes, because maybe you get like two or three weeks at the end of the season where he's playing closer to starters minutes with intermittent days off. Head-to-head, your playoffs might be over before he sees 30 minutes in a ball game. That didn't want to talk about the Spurs. Let how about this? Um let's just assume that everything I said about the Spurs uh is accurate unless I say something new. So I don't have to repeat myself on like six different guys every single show. All right, anybody not go over the weekend. Let's do the quick scan here. YouTube viewers are watching me stare at a box score to see if any teams jump out. Knicks, no. Wizards no, Miami no, Bucks no, halves, no, Hawks no, Charlotte no, Wolves no, Nets no, Bulls no, Thunder no, Suns no, Rockets no, Warriors no, Kings no, Clippers no. Hey, everybody played over the weekend. That's fun. Nobody had three days off, right? Doesn't matter if they did. We would have talked about them on Friday. Every single team played Saturday or Sunday. What a fun and delightful dink. Let's talk tonight. Only four games on the slate tonight. Detroit, who we just, I mean, we just discussed all of these teams, but just a quick reminder, uh, Pistons are going to have some possible streaming options here. Do I trust Wiseman? About as far as I can skip a a stone in the ocean, which is, eh, short to medium distance. You got to be okay with him possibly destroying your your free throw percent, possibly fouling out in like 18 minutes, but he probably will get you like 14 points and 8 rebounds before he does so. Uh, I would trust Bagley more. But if Isaiah Stewart gets ruled in, then Stewart is the play. And then in the backcourt, I don't know that anybody quite makes the cut for uh, top 100 on a per game tonight, but again, I do think Alec Burks probably has a bigger role. For Charlotte, I am curious to see how many minutes Kelly Oubre gets here in his third game back uh, as he inches towards full capacity. Because again, he's coming off a hand injury, so I don't expect this ramp-up to take that long for him. And you know, once he's good to go, he'll be in there. You know, he'll be the main cog off the bench. Um, there's plenty of, of available minutes, and they play so fast that there's kind of plenty of available shots also. And then, you know, I assuming P.J. Washington is back, that'll probably kind of unfortunately push out my guy Dennis Smith Jr. again. Miami, are they really going to start Kevin Love? They can here. Because Philly's power forward is PJ Tucker, so he doesn't really have to worry about a defensive assignment necessarily, but I'd expect the Sixers to put love in a pick and roll every time. If he's out there, you can take it at him instead of out of bio. I mean, you're gonna get a mismatch every single time down the floor. We'll see, I guess. Boston, um, again, I think, you know, you just get a little bit more out of out of Brogdon and Derek White with Jalen Brown set to miss a ball game. Not much really here for New York. I do still wonder if eventually they'll start Josh Hart, but he's been fine off the bench anyway, so no big deal. What about Jonathan Isaac in this one? He was at 16 and change minutes in his last ball game, and he had his best fantasy line in two and a half years, basically. Does he finally get to 17 or 18 minutes? Are we really like a week away from Jonathan Isaac being a roto start? Maybe. And the Pellies. I hope Josh Richardson stays in the starting lineup because I added him in like 50% of my leagues. He was floating around out there after the trade for good reason because none of us really thought he was just going to jump in and take the main job. But here we are. So I hope we get more than a couple games out of him. Pelicans, you might need to win one though. We'll see. Again, as we work our way through this week, we'll talk more about long streaming. Uh, Probably... Maybe on like Thursday, certainly by Friday, we'll get into it a little bit, uh, but not yet today. I know most of your playoffs don't start until next week, and so that's the way we'll kind of treat things here on the podcast. Reminder to everybody, once again, listening on the recorded side to come hang with us on YouTube for a future show. It's generally in the 9 a.m. hour, a little bit later this week because I am dropping off both of my children at school in the morning. My wife is on a medical rotation at the hospital where she has to be in earlier Uh, So that means i got to drive all the way to hell and back. Uh, Big, big loop around the entirety of West Los Angeles. Uh, So that means I'm not getting home from kid drop-off until closer to like 8.45 instead of 8.15. Um, So I assume the show is going to start about a half an hour later this week. But I'd love it if everybody would hang out with us over there, youtube.com slash sportsethos. Like and subscribe. Drop a five-star review if you're listening over on the regular pod side. And please do hit me up. If you are super passionate about anything we do here at Sports Ethos and you want to be a part of it, I am Dan Bespris at Dan DanBespris on Twitter, SportsEthos.com. Go get yourself a premium MLB draft guide, and we'll see all of you delightful folks tomorrow.